rest of us will be uh, focused on uh, on Advent. All right, so we find ourselves in the second week of Advent. As we've said uh, a few times, we are focused on the theme of peace. All right, so peace, peace is everywhere right now. Uh, it's on it's on cards. It's on little wood plaques and uh, plastered all over the place. And all right. What comes to mind when you see peace during this season? All right. Now, the, my, my fear is that it's kind of like a, a beauty pageant kind of peace. That's like, I, I, I hope for world peace. And that it's just it's kind of vague thing. Or maybe it, it, it's just this, uh, this kind of emotional, oh, like I just, yeah, there's a silent night and quietness and calm. That's, that's the peace of Christmas. All right. We want to go deeper. My hope is that, that, that when we see peace surrounding the season, that we, we recognize that why do we need peace? All right. We don't need peace from stress or peace from, I don't know, Christmas shopping. All right. We need peace because there is a spiritual war going on all around us. And Jesus comes because we were at war with God. We were at war with God and we desperately needed someone to to bring us back. To bring peace to the war between us. To bring peace between us, inside of us, and ultimately with God himself. And so that's what we're going to talk. We're going to talk about that, the need for peace and then the three ways that Jesus brings it. He brings it right here and right now by the Holy Spirit. He brings it with his second advent. And finally, he brings it with his first advent, which we celebrate this season. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for sending the mediator, the peacemaker, our great redeemer. And Father, we ask that you might uh, remind us of how costly the peace was that Christ won, that it may not be something flippant or superficial, but that we might know the depth of what Christ has done for us, that we might see the, the gospel at play, and Lord, that we might delight in Jesus, our Prince of Peace. Lord, would we find true and lasting peace through Christ with you? Lord, would you call us out of our rebellion? Would you call us out of our warmongering ways that we may be restored? We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we're going to be looking at John 14. We already read a little bit of it uh, earlier in the service. We're looking at John 14, 18 through 31. Let's read. I will not leave you as orphans. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by the Father, 
and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us but not, and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away. I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it takes place, so that when it does place, take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Amen. All right. All right, so we begin. We begin with our need for peace, our need for peace, All right? Why do we need peace? What kind of peace do we actually need? Now, Jesus starts with these, these words of great comfort to us, amazing words of peace. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This beautiful gift of adoption and sonship, that the father will truly be our father. He will love us as he loves his own son. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. We will not be apart from him. Because I live, you also will live. That as we are united to Christ, we have life. In that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Just this perfect and, and beautiful union between the disciples and Jesus and the father all coming together. And these are great messages of, of comfort and a peace. But then Jesus starts to get more specific. Whomever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by the Father, and will I love him and manifest myself to him. All right. This starts to feel kind of troublesome. Because now, what is it saying? It's saying that, no, there's, there's a special group of people who have received the commandments and keep them. And it goes on to say, okay, those who obey, then evidence that they love Jesus and love the Father. And it goes on even to say that I will love him and manifest myself to him. Basically, that this special group of people who keep the commandments, who obey, are the ones that Jesus presents to the Father in relationship to him. All right. Now, Judas hears this, and he sees immediately what's, what he's getting at, and he says, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us but not to the world? 
So he's seeing this great distinction. He's saying, okay, so some people are going to see you and some people aren't. There is going to be this distinction based upon obedience and love and being manifested or not, being shown who Jesus really is, who the Father really is. What does Jesus reply? He replies, no, they'll be known. They'll be manifested through the word. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. He will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. So what will Jesus do? He will call. And some will hear. His words, his words will come out and and it will divide people. It will divide those who are able and willing to hear it and do it. And those who will not hear or will hear and will not do. Who let it go through one ear and out the other and, and let the words and the commandments and love pass them by. Now, we don't like this distinction. This is a painful distinction that there are two groups of people, the ones who love and obey and come before the Father and those who do not. But that is the standard. That is the thing that distinguishes those who are the the disciples and those who are the world. Now, why do I say this? I say this to show us that we are at war. Now, we cannot, we cannot just kind of be exposed to all the peace stuff and assume that it applies. All right, so you see peace, 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 peace. And it, it seems like, well, okay, whoever's kind of participating in all of this stuff, in the lights and the Christmas, and the, there must be peace. But no, it's, it's, it's a select group, and it's a terrifyingly high standard of obedience and love and devotion to Jesus and to the Father. And we realize that, like, you and I, even those who proclaim Christ, there is still war going on. There is still a battle. This isn't just this kind of universal, hooray kind of peace. This is a deep and powerful peace that is called for. A real reconciliation with God. A turning from all the other things to be loved to the Father and to the Son. And so before we can have a message of peace, I have to give you the, the sobering reminder from Ezekiel and from Jeremiah. What's this, what do they say? They condemn the false prophets. Because what do they say? They say, peace, peace. Peace, peace, peace. And Ezekiel, he says, There is no peace. There is no peace. How dare we proclaim that without saying that the reality that 
No, too often we are, in the language of Ezekiel, you're whitewashed walls. And the God of all holiness and wrath is going to come upon these walls, and you think that what is going to protect those walls is whitewash. And he says, the people, they've heard peace, peace, and they have this flimsy righteousness and this vague following of God. And in the end, they're going to say, why didn't the whitewash keep the wall up? He said, your prophets deceived you. It is not enough to merely have this token righteousness spread over your wall and think that there is peace. No, it needs to be so much deeper. Do you see? Do you see your need for peace? And most of us, we, we don't see the need for peace before God, but we do see the need for peace in our, the rest of our lives, right? All right, right, we have, we have relationships. We need peace there. We have all of the burdens of life and all the things that we don't get and we feel troubled about, all of our anxiety, all of our fears. And what does James say? James says, actually, that's war with God. Those things are actually evidence that you're at war with the real God over here that you desire and do not have because your passions are at war within you. And because you love, you love idols, you have other spouses, you have false brides, and you've abandoned your first love. Do you see Do you see the war within you? Do you see your war with God? That as much as we are called to love him, delight in him and worship him, to reflect him in all things, to love as we have been loved, to enjoy him more than any other thing. This thing that Jesus assumes of his disciples It is a high bar, and it's evidence of war. Do you need peace? Do you need a peace with God that no whitewash can provide, that no vague sentiments can cover? Now, is that is that war that Jesus comes to bring peace to. And he comes to bring it in in three ways. First, he brings it in the very present reality of our lives right here and right now. Verse 25. All this I've spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. All right, this is really good news because all right, we are so sinful and our hearts are so decrepit that the thing that we need is the word. 
And he's proclaiming his goodness. He's proclaiming salvation. He's proclaiming that we are sinners who desperately need Jesus and we desperately need peace with God and he's going to provide it. But we don't hear. And we don't obey. And we don't do anything about it. And yet Jesus is a peacemaker. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus sends an advocate. An advocate, the Holy Spirit. Who will make us listen. And will call us to obey. All right, what can, what can we think of this as? This is, this is Jesus sending spies into enemy territory. And the Holy Spirit, he goes into sinful rebellious people's hearts and starts breaking down the propaganda and the lies that have been spread against the kingdom of God and starts telling of the goodness of this king and the beauty of obedience and the glories of a relationship with this God and the depth of the peace that is offered in Christ and forces us to hear That is the peace that he is working in us. And notice, it's not just a peace that uh, would merely call us to believe. It's a, not that that is a merely kind of thing. But the Holy Spirit, he's also working in us like real reconciliation with the Father. Real obedience to the commandments. To really move us away from sin. And that's where it can often feel like, like, okay, yes, you have great, this great peace with God, but you're kind of like a teenager who is just like constantly rebelling and you're grounded like 95% of the time. And it just seems like, well, God is just probably mad at me all the time. And all right, there can be this kind of like, a, there can be adoption and, and this beautiful relationship, but it's just crippled by Ongoing rebellion and sin. And that's where the, the Holy Spirit, he's, he's there to help us and to change us. To remind us of the goodness of Christ and the love that he has shown for us so that we might stop rebelling. It is not just a hypothetical peace. It is a real inward peace peace by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what do we do with that? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? If you are not in Christ, are you seeing things like conviction of sin or this desire to know him or an interest in the word? That's, that's the Holy Spirit working. He's, he's pushing you to, towards Christ. If that's happening, listen. Follow. Receive the things that he is calling you to. And for those of you who are in Christ, listen for the Holy Spirit to talk of Jesus, to speak of his love towards you to draw you to repentance. 
to be sensitive to his leading and obedience. I think one of the simplest things is, is like, okay, how do you walk according to the Holy Spirit? He's the Holy Spirit. And so you know he's going to push you towards holiness and you cannot receive the, like, the leading of the Holy Spirit towards sin. And he's calling us out of those things. My prayer is that we are receptive to him, that we are sensitive to his speaking. He is a great advocate and he gives us the blessing of a peaceful, joyful relationship with our Father. That is a great blessing. It is not a burden. It's a great blessing to, to stand before our Father and to obey and to enjoy the blessing of that obedience. The first way Jesus brings us peace is by giving us this advocate to bring us to Christ and to work in us obedience. All right, second. The second way he's working peace is he is promising the peace of his second coming, his second advent. All right, advent, advent means coming, right? To come is an advent. We're celebrating advent, recognizing both that he came once and he's coming again. And Jesus here is focusing on that second one, the peace that will come in knowing his second advent. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. I've told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. Now, this peace is different than the peace we just spoke of in the Holy Spirit. Because the peace in the Holy Spirit, it's still a war. Or it's, just, it's trading, it's trading enemies. So in this life, you can either be at war with God and Jesus and ignoring the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit calls you into a, an all-out war with sin and death and Satan. But it is a long and tiring battle. It is a day-by-day -day battle. It is a battle surrounded by suffering and pain, temptation and sin the brokenness and fallenness of the world. And it can feel like this, this. It can feel like a burden to know that there will always still be sin. There will always still be suffering. There will still be tears and darkness. And that's where Jesus comes and he says, no, there, I'm working a greater peace. I'm working a greater peace a peace that would deliver you from Satan and sin and the world of darkness that I have left not to abandon you, but to create a place where
where true peace can be found. And especially, like, the peace of, of the Father. The peace of the Father. But the Father is so much greater that we long to see him, to be with him in his glorious presence, to know that peace. And this peace looks like two things. First, it's the conquering of our enemies. The conquering of our enemies. All right, anything you have truly hated, our enemy, Satan's sin and death are there. Think of your struggle with sin. That you do things you don't want to do. That you know what is right and you end up doing the opposite. That you, you long to, to worship and to delight in God, but instead you find yourself bored and delighting in sin. And you know that you'd be so much more satisfied in him, but you just like keep being pulled back. Or maybe you're just overwhelmed by the suffering of the world and the darkness in it. And we read the news and we're just like, we're crushed by the reality of the condition. Right? Jesus comes and he's promising, like, those things will be no more. Satan will be struck down. Darkness will be turned to light. Weeping will be no more. Mourning will be turned to laughter. Weakness to strength. Do you long for the peace of knowing that you have no more enemies? No more evil to battle. No suffering to witness. That is the peace that Jesus is offering here. The victory over all of these things. That you would be obedient and love being obedient. That you would love each other. That you would be different than you ever were before. Because you are no longer enslaved to sin. Now, the second thing. All right, so he comes to defeat the enemies and bring with him the spoils of war. All right, this is a good one. All right, so Jesus, he, he releases the captives and he, he brings all of these gifts up. Having pillaged, pillaged the kingdoms of the world and the kingdoms of darkness. And, and what does he bring with him? All right, we, we remember it, the, the victory feast, the wedding supper of the Lamb. Or he brings with him crowns for his people, crowns for, of, of victory and perseverance, wedding clothes, names for each one of you, names that he alone knows that have been specially gifted to you as his people, as his beloved. He comes bringing life to eat from the tree of life. But most of all, what does he bring? He brings, he brings us into the presence of our father. 
this one who loves us and delights in us, who longs to know you and to be known by you. This is the greatest gift of all gifts. This is the fulfillment of what humanity is about, to stand in the presence of the one who created us and loves us and to enjoy his glory for all eternity, to bask in the depths of his goodness and greatness and majesty. That is what we were made for. That is true peace. Now, whose who's peace is that? That is not a peace that you can earn. That is not a peace that you are going to, to win with whitewashing. Now, what does Jesus say? He says, my peace I give to you. It is his peace. He is going to earn it. He is going to get it. And he is going to give it to us. To those who receive it by grace. To those who hear that promise and they don't say, you know, I guess I better try harder. No, who say like, yes, Jesus. I want your peace. Your peace that I cannot get myself. But that you alone possess. Do you long for that peace? Is that, really, is that really what you long for? Do you know that that's what you so desperately want and need? Jesus says he doesn't give it like the world gives it. What is the world? The world tries to give peace, and it gives these like fleeting, desperate attempts to, to distract ourselves. Or we try to build peace into our lives, and it, it crumbles because that, that's not what this life is for. It cannot have true contentment. It cannot have true lasting peace. It has nothing that lasts. And so the world's peace, it's given and then it's instantly taken away. Jesus doesn't give this peace to take it away. He gives this peace that we may possess it for all eternity. To never have it taken from us. Now that brings us finally, oddly enough, to our first advent. So it seems kind of out of order here. Because Jesus, he's, he's kind of starting at the end point. True Christian obedience and holiness functionally worked out in the world. And then he goes to the second advent. And then he comes to the first advent. And the peace that is found there, verse 30. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what the Father has commanded me. This is a peace. This is a peace that Jesus gives to sinners. He knows that we need obedience. He knows we need true righteousness. He knows that we need perfection. He knows we need holiness to receive the holiness. He knows that we need to be righteous and holy to stand in the courts of heaven. 
And so what does he do? He comes to bring obedience. We talked earlier about how, how God became man. God became man. Jesus became man so that he could earn real human obedience. Real human obedience that goes so far that he would die on the cross. That he would submit himself to Satan's tyranny and injustice. That he'd stand before the Father and say, not my will, but your will be done. That he'd earn that much obedience, perfect obedience as a human. All right, we were joking about this with the high schoolers earlier. Not to shame us. All right, he doesn't earn all this obedience so that you can be like, this is what you are supposed to do, guys. No, he does it so he can give it to us. That is the beautiful gift of Christmas, is that Jesus, he, he earns this life of perfect obedience and gives it to us in exchange for all of our sin and our death, for the war that we have made with the Father. He gives us his perfect record. And what does Jesus, the the Prince of Peace, do? He submits to the Prince of the World. He is destroyed on our behalf. He is crushed on our behalf. He is killed on our behalf. That all of the wrath of God might be poured out upon his son. so that we might be given peace. That is the gospel. That is the beauty of why Jesus came. That is why Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. So that he might die for our sins, raise to new life, enter into heaven to prepare a place of peace for us, And give us the Holy Spirit that we might experience that peace now and prepare us for that peace forevermore. That is peace. That is the peace of the season. Every time you see peace, let us remember that. That we were sinners at war with God. But for those who put their faith in Him, we are sons. We are righteous. We are beloved. We are moving towards perfect peace to enjoy him in all his glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask that. Father, you deserve all praise and we pray that you would get it. That you would be worshipped that you would be delighted in. That we would hallow your name. Father, you have worked a glorious salvation in Jesus Christ. We praise you that you came, that you sent your son to come and and bear all of our sin on the cross and give us your perfect, victorious life over sin and death. Lord, we ask that you might fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you might tame the the rebellion that still exists, 
that you might convince us of your great love and your faithfulness in Christ. And Father, for those who do not yet know Christ, I ask that they would receive him. The Holy Spirit, you'd be changing their hearts. You'd help them to receive your words and that they would find peace with you. Father, may we then go and be peacemakers. Be those who offer peace and and build peace that is deep and that is motivated by the gospel itself. Would we die to ourselves? Would we wage war with sin? And would we bring Christ all the glory, we pray. In Christ's name.